When the Counselor Becomes Ill on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And today on the podcast, I am joined with Pastor Dan Kirk. He is the senior pastor at Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. He's married to his wife, Chris, of 35 years. They have seven children. Dan, you beat us by one. And you have six grandchildren, and I can't wait to hear about that. We're not ready for that yet, but uh, that sounds so exciting. And so you're also a fellow with us here at ACBC, which means that you help us to do a lot of training and that you engage our people in supervision, helping them one-on-one, which I think is one of the most amazing things that we do. And he also helps to lead one of our training centers down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it's called the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. And Dan, I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic. Sometimes we talk about physical suffering or chronic illness, and it's really easy for us to talk about that in someone else's life. It's, it's a lot easier for us, I think, to try and understand the Scripture and tell other people what they need to do when, when they have physical illness or, or some sort of chronic issue or some sort of physical suffering that's happening. But you've experienced it in, in a different way, physical suffering that has happened even to you as, as a counselor. So I want us to think about this topic and try to think about it well. As biblical counselors, we, we understand certainly that, that not every single case that we deal with is predicated on a person's personal sin, certainly because of the curse of sin, right? Our, our bodies physically decay. That's a part of the truth that, that we, we hear from Scripture. But, but many times, this is about physical suffering, suffering that happens because of the curse of the world. And so we understand that for many years, several members of your family have experienced significant chronic physical suffering. Now, through those years, you've remained healthy, and so you've been in a place where you could minister to them, certainly. But but that really changed over the Christmas holidays this last year. Can you tell us about that? Well, sure. But uh, let me say, first of all, that I've realized that, that my story is not unique. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of people over the last year and a half who have gotten sick, sicker than, than I was, and, and certainly many have died. And so my concern here at the front is just to say that that the point of, of this podcast is is not to focus on my story, but rather on how Christians should respond when they become ill. How can they turn to scripture? Where can they get the comfort of the Lord? How can they minister to themselves when they're facing the temptations and trials? For me, this all came about at Christmas, literally. <laughs> Christmas Day 2020, only nine months ago, when COVID-19 was ravaging our country, and I realized that it still is at some level, but back then it was, it was more scary, more fearful. There wasn't any vaccines. And in God's providence, my whole family got the virus. It started off with me, and I got quarantined, and then my wife got quarantined with me, and then all of my kids got sick, and we decided just to make it a week-long party, and it was wonderful. We just spent a lot of time together leading up to Christmas Day. And then Christmas Day came around, and I remember sitting with my family, opening gifts. It was a wonderful morning, and I had just finishing opening up a couple of things the kids had given me, and I began to cough uncontrollably. And I had been coughing for a little while, and, and I had already been diagnosed, as I said, but 
the coughing really caught the attention of my wife. So here we are, Christmas morning, and she looks at me and she says, that's it. <laughs> We're going to the hospital. And so there we went. We loaded up in the car and away we went to the hospital for what turned out to be quite a ride in the local hospital here in Fort Worth. And I remember actually getting a phone call about your situation and even us as a staff praying for you and your family. And, and we sort of kept tabs. But sometimes we forget in our physical suffering that we have a, a tendency, I think, to compartmentalize uh, ourselves, our bodies anyway. And, and we say, well, that, you know, that was a physical thing. So Dan's OK. We'll pray for the Lord to heal him as he goes and is uh, taken care of by the doctor. I think sometimes in such difficult circumstances, we forget that there are spiritual battles that are going on in that process when, when you're losing faculties, when you're losing physical abilities or, or even the freedom that your body afforded you before. When, when you feel the pain, the suffering of the sickness of your body, there are all sorts of temptations that arise. What were some of those temptations that you found yourself struggling with, even with this, this physical suffering? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I was tempted by a number of things. Certainly fear. I've never been cl this close to death before. And it was a little bit frightening. I was tempted with worry about my family. You know, mm -hmm. what would they do if I didn't make it? Because, you know, there were stories everywhere of, of people dying. Even people that we know have died from this. In fact, shortly after I arrived at the hospital, of course, uh, the first thing they did was admit me into the ER and told my wife to go sit in the car, which she did. And then they took me to a semi-private room and I started coughing again. And I was coughing so badly that I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die. And my wife thought I was going to die. Mm. That was a difficult, difficult moment. I mean, I'm used to counseling other people mm. who were in the, the uh, hospital bed. And, and now I, I can't even get into the hospital to minister to people. But here I was, isolated from my wife, without the comfort and care that I would and counsel that I would get from her, and really isolated from everyone. And so there were all kinds of temptations during that time. And it's really hard to even describe what it's like to be in a place like that, knowing you're going to be there for a long time and knowing that you're going to be alone. Mm -hmm. And so where is the Lord? And the Lord showed himself mightily through this period. I mean, I think sometimes, even as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about how, how much we sort of dehumanize some of our experiences. I think we do that certainly when we read the scriptures. We forget that, you know, you can hear some of this certainly in the psalmist when, they're, when the psalmist is, is walking through something difficult and, and he has a question like from Psalm 42, my soul, my soul, why are you downcast within me? And you can sort of hear that that wrestling in soul and, and my, I'm, I'm turning on my bed all night long. My bed is filled with tears and you can sort of hear that, that wrestling. But, and when you walk through it yourself, sometimes we have a tendency to sort of disconnect ourselves as if, you know, what we're experiencing is, is a little bit different because, you know, we can read the story of people in the scripture, you know, in a few minutes and we forget that their life was built in similar ways to ours. And when they experience difficulty and suffering in the world, they're experiencing some of those same emotions, some of those same temptations, some of the same frailties that you just described. And those are tempting moments when you're gripped with fear, when you're gripped with anxiety even of, Lord, what is going to happen? 
and genuine care for other people, you know, knowing, okay, I'm secure in the Lord, but but what about my family? I mean, those are real things that that you're now wrestling with. And it is different when when it's you who's wrestling through that physical suffering. So as a pastor, you spend a, a whole lot of time counseling people, a lot, a lot of hours counseling men and women who've experienced difficult seasons of suffering, physical and otherwise. But but here you were isolated with with COVID. How did you do in counseling yourself? Yeah, right. Physician, heal thyself, right? <laughs> Counselor, counsel thyself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, there, that was the only option. You know, no one could come and and care for, for me, mm. uh, at least not from my church. Thankfully, there were some wonderful people in the hospital who tried. But since I was alone in that room for the entire week, the main thing I determined was to remind myself that the scriptures promise that no matter the struggle, I'm safe in his hands, Mm. that God is sovereign over all of this, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Mm -hmm. You know, with the suffering of of my children, which we haven't talked about and won't, early on in our marriage and when we were having children, Psalm 23 became extremely precious to me. And I remember I was in seminary when all of that was happening. And and I got to studying Psalm 23. And I know we all know this verse, but I wonder if if we felt the impact of it like this, because, you know, you can quote it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me. Listen carefully to this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And I remember wrestling with that and opening up a, a Hebrew lexicon, searching for what, the, what are the paths of righteousness. And, and what I discovered was that what the psalmist is telling us is that whenever we are following the good shepherd, we are always on the right path. Mm. This is the right path, the paths of righteousness. And, and notice that the next phrase is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm. I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord, my shepherd, Yahweh, is leading me exactly where he intends to take me for my good and for his glory. Mm. That, was, that was tremendously helpful for me. And then uh, another passage of scripture that really encouraged me, Isaiah 43.1, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say here is you have to minister to yourself by ministering the scriptures. And here's, mm-hmm. here's one that really gripped me, Isaiah 43.1, but now thus saith the Lord, he who created you, mm-hmm. O Jacob, and I would insert my own name, O Daniel, <laughs> he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. Mm-hmm and you are mine. I can't tell you how many times I quoted that, and and every time it led me to just tears of joy that the Lord would think of his people this way. And and one more scripture, and that is, you know, I was reminded uh, so often of Psalm 119, and I remember David Brainerd saying in his uh, Life and Diary, that he prayed and he was, he was experiencing tremendous suffering one time at the hands of some people who didn't like him. And he prayed humbly before the Lord. He said, Lord, I pray that you would not allow me to miss the benefit of this trial. Mm-hmm. And David did the same thing in Psalm 119, 
three quick verses here. Number one, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. It is, and this is the one that, that's really most pointed. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I, brother, I can tell you that that week in the hospital and then the weeks after that of struggling with this illness did such good to my heart. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who when he finally made it to America out of the gulag in Russia, he looked back and said, bless you, prison. And I came out of the hospital saying, bless you, COVID, Mm -hmm. for how God used you to expose things in my heart that I didn't know were there, Mm -hmm. and to remind me of the tender mercies of the Lord and his sovereign providence, even over my suffering. That was enormously, enormously helpful. And I've never had to counsel myself like I did on on that week. Well, that's, if you want a picture, guys, of uh, Second Corinthians chapter 10, when the scripture tells us to take our thoughts captive, to learn how to do that and to do it well. And, and what's necessary is uh, what Paul talks about in Colossians chapter, chapter 3, where he tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And then he tells us to, to let the word dwell richly in us. So that in moments where your heart is tempted, where your, your heart is drifting and the circumstances seem pretty convincing, that you have the promises. That's exactly what, Dan, what you just appealed to, were the, the promises of the Lord that he said he will be with us. And will he not be with us there in those moments of difficulty? And here's the beautiful thing that happens is the same wonderful counsel that we can give to those in the counseling room, that's good for us. And it, it ministers to our soul. And, and I think that's one of the keys to being a wise counselor is learning how to to utilize the scripture to counsel your own soul because you become convinced of the word in a way that that can't be broken otherwise you become convinced of the beauty of the word the power of the word because you've seen experientially that God is faithful to his promises and that he settles your heart even in difficult moments now think about how differently maybe that that you will and with passion uh, you'll minister to those who are who are suffering in the future because you're convinced of the peace of the Lord, no matter how that may have turned out, that, that he was walking with you in those moments. What a beautiful thing. Now, I do want to to bring this in. One of the things I do with my students in, in, in my class is when we talk about care and, and counseling, I get them to answer several questions about some of their encounters, their counseling encounters. And, and you know, I want to know how did they do in their response to the individual? What were the primary problems that they were hearing? One of the questions I always ask them is, is this question. I want to know, how can the church get involved in ministering to this person with this particular problem? I always want to know that because I want them to see that, you know, first of all, you as the counselor, you're not the primary answer. You're not the professional. You're not the expert who's going to, you know, wave some magic wand and everything's going to work out okay. You're going to be used as a tool but as a minister of God's bride, of the word, to, to be able to affect them. But the, the end game is not that they be dependent on you forever. They need to be assimilated back into the body, and we want to see the fellowship of the body to, to come together. So it, this is an important question, right? How do we get the church involved? And this year's annual conference theme is, Oh, Church Arise. We've been talking about this a lot over the last year. 
And it's oh, church arise. But I wonder in a situation like this, um, how your church body arose to minister to you and minister to your family uh, when you were down and out. Yeah, so uh, that was a concern at the beginning because I thought there is no way, there's no way our church is going to be able to to really do anything to help me. Mm. And uh, and I was wrong. You know, the uh, people got together and they just started brainstorming. You know, I couldn't talk on the phone because my lungs were so bad I could hardly breathe with the oxygen mask on and everything. But they got really creative. They uh, they they came up with the idea of having something called a park and pray. And park and pray apparently is when you gather a bunch of people during COVID and uh, you, you all get in your cars and you drive to the hospital and you find out where your sick pastor is relative to the parking lot. And they stood out there and they blinked their lights at me and <laughs> they called me on phone. They knew I couldn't speak to them, but I could hear them praying and singing. And the park and pray idea is something I'll never forget. That was wonderful. When I began to regain my appetite, some some of my friends here from the church on staff would run over to Chick-fil-A and get my favorite salad, and and they would take it to the door and find someone in security or somebody who could actually get up to my floor and give it to a nurse who could walk through the COVID ward and and give me, you know, some good food that wasn't, you know, hospital food. That was wonderful. That was so refreshing. And then they began because they, we really couldn't talk by phone, as I said, they really wanted to communicate love and grace to me. And so praise the Lord for technology. Somebody went around and started making videos mm. and then they would shoot them to me almost every day. There would be people that I would see from our church family and, and from my, my family back home, where they would send me scriptures, they would speak scripture and I could see them and you could see the concern in their face and and all of that, it was it was wonderful. And then other people's obviously would uh, would text scriptures to meditate on. Others would send me recordings of them reading the scriptures. I really was surprised at how many different ways they came up with to minister to their pastor. And it really, it really, I think, did something in the heart of a number of members of our church to help them to realize that there are little things that you can do that really mean a lot to those who are suffering with some kind of uh, personal illness. Dan, that's, that's incredible just to hear the beauty of the encouragement of the body, the way in which the body ministered to you, the way in which they demonstrated care. And, and listen, they didn't have to, to muster that or manufacture that in and of themselves. That was an overflow of their love of Christ, their love for you, wanting to minister to you, wanting to comfort you when you were in a difficult situation. And how refreshing, how refreshing it is to, to be in community that walks faithful in, in bonds of unity that are given to us by the Spirit, uh, walking in love, which is a proclamation that we are the disciples of the Lord Jesus. And this is what church is supposed to be about. This is exactly the description of what church is supposed to be about. And listen, on this day, we are starting our annual conference, October 4th, 2021. Who would have thought maybe a year ago that we would actually get to be together? But we are together today in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Dan, these are the exact things that we're going to talk about is the, the beauty of the church and uh, our role as counselors, never separated from, from the responsibility of the church or the beauty of the community and for us as counselors, I love the way that you describe this today, the, the things that we struggle with that, that we're also prone 
to struggle, whether that be physically or even in terms of temptation. And the, the word that we so minister ministers so well to us. And I can't wait for this week and all the things that we're going to learn as we consider the word, as we think about our responsibility to Christ, and as we talk about the beauty of the church and the way in which God has equipped that institution to be the carer of souls of the broken. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I'm so grateful. We, we long for this day all year where we get to be together again. And there's sort of a double excitement because last year we weren't able to be together in person. And so uh, I'm so grateful that on this day that I'm uh, with all of our, our folks gathered in North Carolina, and we are looking forward to what the Lord is going to teach us about the topics we've been describing today on the podcast. Oh, church arise, reclaiming a culture of care. And so I pray that you are joining us, whether that be in person or on live stream, and that you will be encouraged when this podcast releases. There's still time to jump on. If you wanted to register to be a part of our live stream, you can certainly do that. And I would encourage you to find out about this event and see if it's something you want to join us with over the next couple of days. You can find out about that event, O Church Arise, at biblicalcounseling.com.